0: Sticks with me throughout my week, and uh, it's a blessing to me every time I every time we sing it because it just rolls through my head. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were in. uh, Brendan and I were involved with a uh, just a special time of prayer with some folks. We just call each other at 6 p.m. and and pray each day. And uh, one of the days, one of the folks we were praying with said, uh, you know, that they had heard that song every time they'd gotten in the car, every time they'd gone anywhere, they just kept playing. That song was over and over and over, just that reminder. God is good. God is good. God is good. We are wrapping up our time with Daniel. Um, we are going to be uh, moving on. This next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about... Uh, how the faith of Jesus is, in fact, not just the experiential information. The faith of Jesus is not just a, a, a bit of uh, things, one of the things you can read about in Scripture, but it was actually the thing that held Christ up during the most difficult times of his life. Am I going to need to change out here, Jeff? Let me turn this one off. On. I don't know if that's better, or worse, or whatever, but here it is. It's happening now. If it worse comes to worse, I just start shouting. See how that worked out. Um, the, the faith of Jesus is actually what allowed Jesus to walk through the garden. It's what allowed him to, cl- to climb the cross. It's the faith that Jesus had was actually what made it possible for Jesus to do the things he did. And so next week we're going to talk a little bit about that, that very thing, that it was Jesus' faith that was walking with him, that was allowing him to, to move forward in, uh, in his relationship. As we finish Daniel chapter 12 today, I just want to, uh, to remind you that we're talking about a God-directed life, that a God-directed life is a life by choice. When we choose to follow after God, when we choose this God-directed life, we make that decision, and it's an ongoing decision. Week after week, day after day, minute by minute, we are making a choice to surrender our will to the will of God and follow Him. That's why the Scriptures were written, by the way. The Scriptures were written to show us what that looks like, both in sort of enumerated fashion, these are the things that God desires for us, and in exemplary fashion. This is how it's worked out for other people. Why do all these stories of all these people, some successful, some unsuccessful in following God? Because we need stories to help us understand our role in our interaction with God. The reason we've started this discussion with the book of Daniel is because Daniel parallels us. Because we are, in fact, like Daniel, exiles from the promised land. We are no longer where we can be with God. We have been... Off to another country because of our sin and the sins of our fathers. And we've been living in this state of exile for our whole lives, which the Bible says is three score and ten, which is how long? 70 years. How long were they in exile? Three score and ten. You get the picture? It's an exile for a lifetime, and that's what we are. We're exiles for a lifetime. And our life spent on this planet parallels Daniel's life. We go through ups and downs, we go through difficulties. The question is, at the end of the day, will we still be found leading God-directed life? That's the ultimate question at the end of Daniel. So as we begin, um, I just wanted to remind you of a couple of kids from Fremont. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> Brenda and I have this thing. We, we, um, we never expected, neither of us expected that we would be able to travel in our lives. Um, we have traveled a lot. Uh, we were invited by the... Uh, the North American Division to go to the Philippines, so it's been uh, decades ago now. And uh, when we went, to this, went on this trip, we were helping out with a series of, of evangelistic meetings in the Philippines, and when we went on this trip, we talked about it, and one of the big reflections as we were coming back was, man, uh, we didn't know we would enjoy traveling. We never thought we'd actually do it, so it never really entered in our mind that we would do it. But here we were, and we had gone through Japan, and we were in the Philippines, and we were coming back, and we realized, the Bible says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And this was one of those desires we didn't even know existed. We didn't know that we would enjoy this, because we never expected to do it. And yet God had blessed us in a way that has now multiplied several times. And we found ourselves in different places around the world when we've been traveling. When we were in India a couple of years ago, we landed in India and we're we're sitting there thinking and talking to each other. Just a couple of kids from Fremont. Could not believe the blessings that God has given us. Just in that one area of our lives. Just a couple of kids from Fremont. I have to wonder if Daniel, after... Seven decades in this foreign country, after seven decades of life, is kind of looking around saying, Just a kid from Jerusalem. He's been the governor of Babylon and the regions around Babylon, he's been prime minister of the Babylonian Empire. He's been third in charge after being demoted down to nothing and back up to third in charge of Babylon as it falls. He's been put in charge of the satraps in uh, Cyrus's Persian empire, and then he's put even in charge of those who were in charge of the satraps in Cyrus' empire. And some days he had to just look out the window at what was going on around him and consider the crazy things he had experienced in his life and go, Man, wow, just a kid from Jerusalem. Amazing. Remember, I have been trying to keep you abreast of what's been going on. I used S's just to try to help you remember them. Um, He went through a siege. Then he was seized. Then he went through a surgical procedure. Then he went through some struggles. And he went through it all for 70 years. Will the S's help you at all to remember those things? This is what went on with this guy. That's a long, hard set of things he went through at times. Big, high moments in his life. You're now prime minister of Babylon. Really low, difficult moments. Oh, you've been chosen to be taken to Babylon. Oh, by the way, the, 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 the lion's den is your place for sleeping for this evening. All those elements of his life sent off in exile for a lifetime. In our lives, in our walk, in our spiritual content, we have had high days. When we look around at the things around us and we shake our heads and say, I I, I never thought I'd be here. I never thought this would happen. Amazing. And times when we've laid down with a growling, grumpy lion and said, man, I never thought this would happen. never thought I'd be here. And all of us have had those ups and downs. And that's why I think this is the life to start our discussions of a God-directed life walking alongside so we're going to be w- wrapping up chapter 12 but I first want to do a little reflection after 50 years being there in Babylon Daniel starts to hear personally from God he sees him in image similar to what we would see in Revelation several hundred years later I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. his garments were white as snow his hair and his head was like pure wool his throne was a fiery flame, and its wheels were a burning fire. Now, imagine just being a kid from Jerusalem, and one day you're asleep, and you see this. Do you think you're sitting around going, whoa? Or do you think, you go, oh yeah, this is just an ordinary thing. This is just normal. I see this kind of stuff all the time. If you do, come talk to me, because I don't know anybody who sees this kind of stuff all the time. I think a kid from Jerusalem's going, wow, I just saw the image of God. Later in that chapter, he gets to see the second coming. I was watching it in a night vision to behold one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Do you realize Daniel has seen the second coming? Daniel got a, a preview of the second coming of Jesus that day, that evening. I don't know why you're not more impressed. This just kind of blows me away every time I think about it. Later in the same chapter, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions shall serve and obey Him. He's told about the restoration of the kingdom of God. So he sees God, he sees the second coming and he's told that the whole kingdom will be given over to the saints. Okay. (laughs) Chapter 9. Then he's told when the Messiah will come. Chapter 9, he's told, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the Messiah, the Prince, those shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, 69, it's going to be 70 eventually, it gets explained to him. He's now been told when the Messiah will come. Would this be cool to you? Okay, so seeing God, would that be cool to you? Seeing the second coming, would that be cool to you? Okay, now being told when the Messiah is going to come, would that be cool to you? Anybody ever wish they could have this kind of information from God? He did. Seems cool to me. (laughs) Then at the beginning of chapter 10, he sees Michael the prince. Michael the archangel. He sees the presence of God in angel flesh. He sees of God veiled in the flesh of of a creation. He sees God himself in, veiled in the flesh of an angel. He sees Michael, the one whose name means one like God. Now, the tw- on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in win- linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl; His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like torches of fire. His arms were like the f- arms and feet were like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words was like the voice of the multitudes. He sees the same image that John the Revelator will later see moving among the candlesticks. He's seen the picture of God. He's seen the second coming. He's seen the restoration of the kingdom. He's been told when the Messiah will come. And now he gets to see the prefigured Christ as Michael the archangel. Just a kid from Jerusalem. Just another kid from the neighborhoods in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Just a kid. I want to remind you that Michael's name is not an accident. That his name means one like God. Because he is God in angel flesh. We've got Jesus as God in human flesh. This is the pre-described nature of Christ before he became a person in human flesh. Okay? Michael the archangel. And now the end of the chapter. Now the end of the book. So, could you die happy if you'd seen the first 11 chapters? Could you, could you kind of wrap up at the end of, the, of your life, tuck your feet under your blankets and say, I've had a good life. Started out kind of rough, but things have been, things have been great. God has... God has revealed Himself to me in so many ways. Could you, could you wrap up the end of your life saying, that was good? Then Michael stands up. Then Michael stands up. He's seen the presence of the Father seated on His throne. He's seen the second coming. He's seen that, that mess- messianic prophecy that told him when Jesus was going to come. He's seen the kingdom restored. He's seen Michael himself. And now he sees Michael stand up. You know what I like about this passage? Jesus doesn't show himself. We're not seen with Michael doing anything. He's not, he's not attacking and grabbing and throwing. He's not fighting. I, I, looked at, I looked at the scriptures and I looked at the pictures of Michael uh, that they have. Or the, the, not the scriptures. I looked at the internet. It's not the scripture. I looked at the internet. I looked at the pictures of Michael on the internet and all of them have him. He, they have one picture of him. Him slaying the dragon. That's everywhere on the internet. I gave you that statue that at the beginning of this because he, he's not slaying the dragon. He's standing there with his sword, but he's not slaying the dragon. This picture of Michael conquering just has Michael showing up. He just shows up. Remember back when the prince prince was resisting the movements of Gabriel for 21 days as Daniel was praying? you know what Jesus did there? Just showed up. The description, it simply says, and Michael came. That was it. Here's the same thing. When when this, this battle is in question, when the struggle is moving, Jesus shows up. Michael just shows up. He stands up in the midst of it. And the very presence makes the difference. Michael stands up. So, what time is it? Don't look at your watch. What time is it in, the, in the Scripture? What time are we looking at? Where are we? At the beginning of this chapter, we're at the end of time. This starts in chapter 10, works its way all the way through 11, and finishes in 12. This is all one long vision. We've skipped 11. Because 11 t- tries to, well, 11 parses out all the activities that are going on through the promised land for about two centuries, three centuries, and beyond, depending on who you talk to. But as it does, we've kind of skipped all of that because it would take us too long to cover it. We're talking about the time of the end. For, your little, for those of you who had to have a piece of 11, here it is. He, the king of the north, shall plant his tents and his palaces between the seas And the glorious holy mountain. What time? Time of the end. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. You know why? Because Michael stands up. Michael shall stand up, and the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Michael stands up. The end comes. The the devil is pushing hard. It's a difficult time. It's troublesome times. And Michael stands up. When he inserts himself into the situation, things change. Things get better when Michael stands up. Things get better when Jesus shows up. Things get better when he steps into the situation. Things get better in your life. Things get better in my life when Jesus comes into that situation. Chapter 12, verse 1 continues, There will be trouble. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even... To that time, from the very beginning, since there was a nation, even to that time, the end of time, never been a trouble like this. There'll be difficulties and trouble. Does the Bible describe those things? Does the Bible say those things are true? Yes, it does. Revelation goes over it in detail. You want to read Revelation 14, second half through 19 or 20, you're going to see all the trouble, all the trauma, all the things that are described as happening at the end of time. Some horrendous things. Collapses of world government, collapses of, of all the financial institutions, just a collapse complete of civility. Men hating men and wars and rumors of wars all over the planet. All sorts of horrendous things happening at the end of time. There's going to be a time of trouble such as never would, never was. But you know what your answer is for that time of trouble? You know what the, you know what the description of what happens with the saints for that time of trouble is? Michael stands up. So you want, you got this terrible time of troubles coming the the king of the north going to insert himself into something and yeah, there's there's a whole interesting discussion about whether or not that's the rise of islam at the end of the world we'll talk about that when we go about this prophecy bit by bit but it may be it may not be but but whatever that horrible troublesome thing is that causes this global conflict that everybody is involved in and this this trauma in the world that, that's a trouble like it's never been in the whole world ever since and ever before, whatever that is, the answer from God is the beginning of the chapter. The answer of, from God is the first statement. All of that mess is going on. All of that trouble is going on, and Michael stands up. <laughs> the world's falling apart globally. It's a mess, and Michael stands up. The finances of the world collapse, and Michael stands up. The politics of the world collapse, and Michael stands up. Can I stop for a second and insert something? I heard a preacher say this week. I don't know if he said it this week. He may have said it nine weeks ago, but I heard it this week. Something I want to say to you. He said, If you're 45 or older, you know who you are. We need to be a little careful. Because a lot of us in that age group are scaring the kids. You know what I mean? We're looking at the political situation around us and we're saying, oh my goodness, I don't know if the world can make it. We're saying, look at who we have to vote for. There's nobody left. There's nobody here. What are we going to do? Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And we're scaring the kids. Is it messy? Yeah, it's messy. Is the world economy a mess? Yeah, it's messy. Are we expecting something else? If you're a 45 to wherever and you've been bugged by, man, the things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. First of all, don't, don't be surprised. And second of all, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Quit scaring the kids. Michael's standing up. When things are at their worst... When things are falling apart, when the world is coming to a close, when it just looks like nothing is capable of rescuing us, Michael stands up. When the world is at its worst, the the believers place their hope in the only answer there is. You know, sometimes I think when the world is going pretty smoothly, we forget that our hope is that Michael will stand up. It's not in a political authority. Whether it's America or China or Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. It's not in a political authority. It's not in the monetary system. It's not in the gold in the treasuries. It is, in fact, our hope in Jesus alone. Michael stands up. The answer to the trouble that comes that is worse than any trouble that has ever come before is that Michael stands up. Jesus steps into the situation, it changes everything. The one who stands guard over your people. Daniel, of course, in the whole second half of this book, has kept asking the same question of, of God. This horrible stuff is going to happen. This little horn power is coming. 2,300 days are happening. Three and a half times are happening. What's going on with my people, God? What's going on with my people? Come on, tell me what's going on. And it's making him sick he's so worried about it. So, preemptive strike by God. Before Daniel gets a chance to ask the question here at the beginning, God says, oh, and by the way, as for your people, before you ask me, as for your people, they shall be delivered. Every one who is found written in the book. How many of them? Every single one that is found written in the book. Every single one. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. There, some of them are going to awake to everlasting life and resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection, Daniel. Everyone found written in the book. How is God wrapping up this book? It starts out with the siege of Jerusalem. Israel being sent off into a foreign country for their sins. Being sent off for the trouble that they've caused. Being sent off for 70 years. Seven decades. And Daniel's at the lead of the column that gets sent away. And it begins to wrap up as God starts to close the book. Hey, Daniel, I want you to show you this picture of me. See? This is me high and lifted up, sitting on my throne. This is me. I'm the one now established in glory. Well, Daniel, this is what it's going to look like when the second coming happens. It's going to be cool. You'll love it. You're going to, you're going to love it when you see this, Daniel. I'm glad to be able to show you a little bit of a, a peek, but it's going to be better than this, better than you can imagine. Oh, and by the way, Daniel, here's when the Messiah is coming. And, and I just, just, just because you're my friend, Here's Michael. This is the real answer, Daniel. This is where the answer lies, Daniel. And and, and unless you wonder what it means when Michael stands up, here's what it means. It means that he went down and he got up. And now he's standing up for you. He went down and he laid his life down. And he got back up. And and now he's standing up for you, Daniel. Because of that, there will be a resurrection, Daniel. Because of that, every one found written in the book of life will be raised. Everyone. Everyone. I, I just have to stop and point at this picture for you. You know what I I, I love about this picture. Jesus looks happy to see those people. How many resurrection pictures have you seen where Jesus is smiling? I'm just going to hang on to this one. I'm going to stash it away somewhere because Jesus looks happy to see those people get there. Michael stands up and he's glad you're home. Michael stands up and he's glad to see you. Michael stands up for you. Not everyone is saved in the story he's telling. He's saying, hey, Daniel, you got to know. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awaken. Some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a final decision, Daniel. This is an eternal decision. Everything at this moment, everlasting this way, everlasting that way. This is a final ex- event, Daniel. Some who are written in the book of life, are, they're going to have eternity with God those who refuse, those who walk away, those who choose another way, their condemnation will be eternal. There's never a second chance after this. There's never another chance. Wouldn't this be a good place to stop the book? He says, Now, Daniel, shut, the, shut up the words. Seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. By the way, That last phrase, knowledge shall increase, I guess you can apply it to the computer age. The knowledge has been just racing. But the text, if you're reading this in Hebrew, is much more clearly saying knowledge about Daniel's prophecies will increase, which has also been true at the end of time. (laughs) Knowledge shall increase. Now, wrap up the book, put a little bow on it, be done. Daniel, the resurrection is sure. Daniel, Michael is standing up for you. Daniel, there'll be trouble, but God's got that too. Daniel, seal up the book. Everybody takes their pencils, closes their little notebooks, and goes home. I really don't know why the book goes on, except to give us a couple of confusing time prophecies. Daniel says, although I heard I did not understand. Why? Why? Because he showed him a time prophecy again. It'll be three and a half times. And again, we'll talk about this when we do that part. We'll go back and we'll do all the prophecy side of it, for those of you who are missing it. He showed another time prophecy, and although I heard, I did not understand. Where's Daniel again? Scratching his head. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? This time prophecy talks about bad things happening to my people. I know you just talked about the resurrection. That's cool and everything. But what about this? I don't understand. So God goes on and gives him another answer. It is also unsatisfactory. Isn't this Daniel's prayer life? God reveals something to him. He asks for more information. God gives him an answer that's unsatisfactory. Every single time. Aren't you glad? Isn't this a lot of our prayer lives? got this information, I ask God about it, I don't understand, and He doesn't give me the answer I want, and I walk away with an unsatisfactory answer. And the ability to put faith in the one who gave me the answer. Right? The ability to say, God, I- I'm going to trust you in this, even though I don't really understand the answer here. I don't, don't really understand what's going on here. I'm going to trust you. God says, here's some more time prophecies. And then he says, Daniel, go your way. In other words, go on about your business. Just, just be off with you. The word here means walk on. The Hebrew here just means keep walking. Nothing to see here. Keep walking, Daniel. Nothing to see. Nothing to see here. Just keep moving by. Keep going. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Good answer? I don't know. Two more of those time prophecies. Go your way till the end. This is the last phrase. Go your way till the end for you shall rest and will rise to your inheritance at the end of days. What's the last thing he assures Daniel of? You are saved, Daniel. Your resurrection is sure. I was talking about the people in the book. You're in the book, Daniel. You're safe. So Daniel starts with this siege when he's 15, 16, 17 years old. He's chosen to be one of those people who gets hauled off into Babylon as a captive. He goes through that surgical procedure that makes him Arioch's servant under the chief of the eunuchs. He struggles against his beliefs in that Babylonian setup. He's put amongst the astrologers, magicians, etc., etc. When there's a death penalty aimed at them, Daniel's included in it. He rescues them and himself by answering the king's dream. He becomes friends with the king. As the king grows in his understanding of God, Daniel grows in his relationship with the king. And when the king comes to that crux of his life where he needs some advice, Daniel says, man, you you should probably thank God and praise God because it might spare you And the king does for a while, and then he doesn't. And when the king's seven years sunk, Daniel covers his back. When the king comes to his senses, Daniel's there. And the king proclaims the glory of God to the kingdom in the place of Israel. Daniel drops out of favor. A new king comes to the throne. And when that king finds a crisis of handwriting on the wall that he doesn't understand... Daniel's called out and he answers the story again, answers the call again. And now he's gone from anonymity to third in the palace. Great, because Cyrus is about to come in and take over the country. He's put in charge with Darius and with Cyrus. And he's 70 years looking at the end of his life. He's seeing visions of God. He's seen the, the presence of God on his throne. He's seen the coming of the Messiah. He's been told when the Messiah will come. He's, been, he's seen Michael and now the book closes not with another image of God. The book closes with a simple assurance. Daniel, you will be saved. Daniel, you don't need to understand everything. Your eternity is secure and That's enough information. I love this book and I love this guy's experience because it parallels so much of ours. At the end of the day, Daniel has lived a long, committed life under some difficult circumstances. And God has shown himself faithful to him again and again and again. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the picture we want in our own lives? Isn't that the story we want to hear in Scripture? That in the difficult moments, God is still there. When we're riding on the top of the wave, God is still there. When we're being buried by the wave, God is still there. No matter where we are, the God shows himself faithful to us again and again and again and again. And we don't always get the answer we want. We don't always get the news we want. We don't even always get the story we want, but we always get the God we need. And He stands up in the difficult situations for us. He stands up on our behalf when things are going badly. He stands up when globally the world is a mess. He stands up when it's all corrupted and it's all crumbling. He stands up and steps in. When the world finally understands that we can't do this ourselves, when the last person finally says, yes, write my name in the book, I want to go home with Jesus, when those last days and last pages are closed, he stands up, he steps in, and he takes us home. Daniel, your resurrection is sure. I just want you to understand one thing, Daniel. Your name is in the book. You will be saved. You don't need any more answers. The importance of assurance. The importance of assurance when we don't have the answers. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose what? Heart. In due season we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. It does not say if you're successful all the way to the end. It does not say if you get all your ducks in a row and have them all ready when Jesus comes. What it says is keep doing good, keep trying, keep going, keep pressing forward. Don't lose heart. Don't be overwhelmed by fear. Don't let the circumstances around you control your life. How much reason does Daniel have to be an angry, sullen, grouchy old man at this point in his life? Every reason in the world. He's lost everything important to him. His home, his family, his town has been burned down. His country doesn't exist. He's lost his identity. They changed his blooming name. They have, they've done unwanted surgery on him which has changed his identity physically. Things have happened to him physically that's changed the way he looks at the world. He can't, he can't see it differently anymore because of what they've done to him. He has seen kings rise and he has seen kings fall. He has seen great men lose their lives and end their lives and he's seen bums on the throne of Babylon. And all the time he's coming back to God and he's saying, God, what's going on? And God's saying, here's a little piece of it, Daniel. And Daniel's going, not enough information, God. And he says, well, here's another little piece of it, Daniel. He says, not enough information, God. He said, here's another little piece of it, Daniel. Not enough information, God. Look, Daniel, all you really need to know is you're in the you're saved and you will be resurrected. Stop asking questions. Are you going to believe me or not? Are you going to trust me or not? Come on, Daniel, we've been walking through a lot together. A faithful, God-directed life. That's what this is. A guy who's been through, I, I would venture to say, more than any of us have been through. And yet he stays true to God. And as his life grows, as his experience with God grows, as, his, as he grows in his spiritual walk, in that movement, and that growth, God keeps revealing you little pictures of himself. Isn't that true of your walk? Isn't that true of your spiritual life? As you stand next to God, he starts to open up pictures of himself. It's like he opens his wallet and says, here's a picture when I was little. Here's a picture as I started growing up. Here's when I graduated from high school. Oh, here's, here's, the, here's this day of my wedding. Isn't that what happens with you with God? He's revealing himself as your life goes on, and Daniel gets to describe the images that God is revealing to him, to you and I. He saw God sitting on his throne, taking the world back. He saw Jesus coming in the clouds, announcing his return. He saw Michael face to face, skin that looks like bronze, wrapped in a linen cloth, standing above the water. Raising his hands and swearing by heaven. And at the end of the day, God said, Daniel, you need to know only one more thing. You're in the palm of my hand. You may be in Babylon, but I know the plans I have for you. You may be in captivity, but I know the plans I have. They have, may have done horrible things to you, but I know the plans I have for you. The world is going to be a mess, Daniel, and you're, you've been called to tell people what's going to happen, but I know the plans I have for you. I've got you right here in my hand, Daniel. i got you in my hand. You're mine. Amen. And you're going home with me. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's the same answer he's given to everybody who's ever followed him. It's the same answer he's giving to all of us, no matter what our circumstances, day after day in our lives. I know that you're a little scared right now, but I have you in my hand. I have your eternity securely in my hand. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't don't lose hope. In due season, when the time is right, Because your name's in the book, we'll go home together. Let's pray, Lord. We've we've been walking with Daniel. His life is very impressive. His relationship with you is impressive. And as we've just gathered little bits and pieces and glimpses into what was 70, 80, 90 years of days, we have come to understand that the one fact most significant on our planet is that her name is written in the book of life. That we are held in your hands and our eternity is secure. Thank you for making that possible through the cross and by your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.